Hello and welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minute series on ENT in a Nutshell, a complement to Headmere's online survival guide. I'm your host, Will Dattar, and today we're joined by Dr. Brianna Burris, the Chief Resident of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery. In this episode, we will cover Ludwig's angina. Let's jump right in. Ludwig's angina is a very specific clinical diagnosis of an oral facial infection of five spaces, the bilateral submandibular, bilateral sublingual, and submental spaces, usually of odontogenic origin. Ludwig's is of particular importance due to the possibility of rapid airway compromise, systemic infection, including sepsis, and mortality. Ludwig's predominantly affects patients in their 20s and 30s and has a a 3 to 1 male predilection. The second and third molars are the most common teeth from which this infection originates, and brawny induration of the floor of mouth is palpable in all cases and should immediately raise concern of Ludwig's angina. The overall incidence and mortality of Ludwig's has decreased with improved dental care, fluorinated water, and emphasis on early surgical intervention. The key to successful management includes rapid identification, appropriate airway management, incision and drainage, source control, and antibiotics. Dr. Burris, can you give us a differential diagnosis? Sialadenitis, malignancy with or without secondary infection. It's important to remember that not all submental and floor of mouth swelling means Ludwig's. Ludwig's can be overdiagnosed if a patient presents with an abscess isolated to the lingual vestibule, submandibular, or sublingual spaces. However, in cases of uncertainty, it is best to err on the side of caution. And what are some of the severe or can't miss complications? Involvement of a high-severity deep space, concomitant masticator space or peripharyngeal space involvement are easy to miss due to distracting extraoral swelling and floor-of-mouth swelling. Airway compromise, mediastinitis, sepsis, necrotizing fasciitis, or Lemire syndrome, which constitutes septic thrombophlebitis of the internal jugular vein with possible shedding of septic emboli to the lungs. And what are the risk factors, including some of the predisposing conditions? Poor dental hygiene, so a high number of decayed, missing, or previously filled teeth, recent history of dental procedures, or immunosuppression. And tell us about the disease progression and presentation. There's preceding dental pain nearly universally. Ludwig's angina originates as an isolated submandibular or sublingual space infection. The vast majority of cases are caused by tooth decay, leading to pulpal necrosis and eventual periapical abscess. A periapical abscess can perforate the mandibular cortical bone, and infection can spread above and or below the mylohyoid muscle. Third molars are more likely to perforate cortical bone inferior to the mylohyoid muscle into the submandibular space, whereas premolars and first molars are more likely to perforate cortical bone superior to the mylohyoid muscle into the sublingual space. A diagnosis of true Ludwig's angina indicates involvement of five spaces, bilateral, submandibular, bilateral sublingual, and submental spaces. These rapidly progressive anatomic obstructions can lead to fatal airway compromise. On presentation, patients frequently report a sensation of suffocation or choking, owing to the addition of the Latin word for suffocation, angina, to the name of the syndrome. Patients also commonly demonstrate pain, dysphagia, odynophagia, dysphonia, or hot potato voice, and trismus, which may prevent orotracheal intubation. So before we go on talking about the history and exam, can you briefly discuss the submandibular and sublingual spaces? 
The submandibular and sublingual spaces are partially separated by the mylohyoid muscle with communication around the posterior muscle edge. There is no anatomic barrier at the medial aspect of the paired sublingual spaces, allowing for spread without resistance. Anatomically, infection can spread from the submandibular space to both the pterygomandibular and lateral pharyngeal spaces through the buccopharyngeal gap created by the styloglossus muscle traversing the pharyngeal constrictors. And what history do you focus on? See all consults immediately and assess ABCs upon entering the patient's room. If signs of impending airway compromise, like posturing, drooling, actively short of breath, cyanotic, stay with the patient, activate OR, notify your senior resident, mobilize help in obtaining airway adjuncts and supplies for intubation and emergent surgical airway if needed. If the patient is stable, obtain a thorough history, including medical history, especially immunosuppression, symptom progression, dental pain, surgical history or recent dental work, and a history of drug use. And what key supplies do you take to these consults? Appropriate PPE, a headlight, and a tongue depressor. And tell us about the physical exam. Make note of signs of airway status, patient comfort, positioning, pooling of secretions, oxygen saturations, work of breathing, tolerance of laying supine, and reduced neck range of motion. Complete head and neck exam noting presence of brawny, firm swelling of bilateral submandibular region extraorally, resulting in a bullfrog appearance. Next, direct attention to intraoral exam noting mouth opening in millimeters. Bimanually palpate the floor of mouth noting elevation or cellulitis of the tongue, palatal asymmetry, fluctuance adjacent to any obviously decayed teeth, and tenderness to percussion of any specific teeth. And what diagnostic workup do you recommend? Obtain labs including a CBC and CMP. For imaging, a CT neck with contrast is preferred in most cases, but do not delay securing an airway for imaging. Ludwig's may not have a discernible fluid collection and may present with phlegmon, enhancing inflammatory tissue, and soft tissue stranding in the five aforementioned fascial spaces. Generally, if suspicious for an odontogenic source, look for focal mandibular cortical dehiscence adjacent to periapical abscesses of a two-third teeth. And tell us about the acute treatment. A definitive airway should be secured if Ludwig's angina is suspected as cases can progress to complete airway obstruction rapidly. Most often, fiber optic nasal intubation is the preferred method for definitive airway, though this should only be attempted with a team and equipment ready for an emergent surgical airway. This method of intubation is used to avoid iatrogenic rupture of intraoral abscesses, leading to aspiration of purulent material. In patients with advanced infection and impending airway distress, a wake tracheostomy should be considered and supplies set up. Early aggressive incision and drainage of involved spaces typically via transcervical approach to establish gravity-dependent drainage, usually with Penrose drain placement. If odontogenic in nature, definitive source control is achieved by extraction of the offending tooth. Don't hesitate to consult OMFS if preoperative concern for a difficult extraction. ICU or medical teams often primarily manage these patients. And what are your recommendations regarding medical management? Administer broad-spectrum antibiotics at maximum weight and age-based dosage. Initial antibiotic choice is frequently IV ampicillin sulbactam or ceftriaxone with clindamycin and metronidazole. Consider MRSA coverage for at-risk patients with options of clindamycin or vancomycin.
consider scheduled steroids, most commonly dexamethasone. Keep all patients in PO during medical trials and in an environment where airway intervention is possible with airway supplies readily available. Have a low threshold to repeat a CT neck with contrast if the patient is clinically not responding. And can you briefly describe the airway management for patients that have a definitive airway established? Intubated patients typically remain intubated after OR intervention for a minimum of 24 hours or until significant clinical improvement. And this is because traumatic forces during the transcervical IND can lead to significant post-surgical edema with delayed airway obstruction. The decision to keep the airway secured post-op should be based on the presence of significant preoperative floor of mouth swelling and trismus, presence of supraglottic edema noted during fiber optic intubation. The decision to extubate is also based on a cuff leak test, sometimes a fiber optic airway evaluation to reassess airway edema, and the patient's ability to satisfy ICU extubation protocols. Trach decannulation after infection subsides and airway stabilizes, whether inpatient or outpatient. And what about the disposition and follow-up for these patients? With improving clinical course, patients may be transitioned from IV to oral antibiotics. The infectious disease team may assist with determining the course of outpatient antibiotic therapy. That concludes our episode on Ludwig's angina. Dr. Burris, thank you for joining us. Thank you. 